Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Spanish variety uh, serrano chili peppers. Oh, might have to get on that. What is this one? Uh oh. Habaneros! There's a package of habanero season. I was at a Mexican restaurant some time ago, probably three or four years ago with the coworkers, and I held up my phone with Google Translate just to translate some of the menu options. And every time it said habanero, it's the, it translated it as resident of Havana. Oh, I could see where that could be a thing. And pico de gallo, I never knew. Chicken beak. Um, I thought it meant pecker of a guy. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've only ever been to a Cuban restaurant one time, and it was, um, what was it? It's up, it was in the city, it was uh, 90 Miles Cafe. They had like a kind of an outdoor seating area. Might as well have been indoor from the way they got it uh, set up. But uh, I had to have one of those uh, be- uh, Cuban beef and plantain sandwiches where they make... Ah, hibarito. Yes. And, um, oh God, that was so delicious. And I want to get back up there and have another one, but haven't had the opportunity to get quite back up there. It was right by the... Um, What's that bicycle trail? The 509, the, uh, the 606, the 606. That's right. The, the Bloomingdale trail. Why am I thinking 509? I don't know. It's 606 because that's what all our zip codes start with. Yeah. But yeah, it's right by the Bloomingdale trail. So, uh, I wonder why it's that. Cause it doesn't really go to Bloomingdale. Oh, well, so that was a really good place, but, um, oh, anyway, we should probably introduce ourselves. Ah, Please allow us to introduce ourselves. We are men of wealth and taste. Well, okay. Neither of those, but, uh, I'm Jimmy G and I am not. Hi, not. I guess I'm Sean. You're Sean? Sure. Oh, awesome. So um, instead of me uh, telling, asking you, uh, how are you and what have you been playing, uh, I'm going to just start. I'm fine. All right. And um, I've been doing some more... Um, <coughs> I just forgot the cough, by the way. Um, and I've been doing some more um, putzing around with my... Well, it's, uh, it doesn't sound as bad as it did before. No, but it's still uh, buggy enough. Uh, I might have to pop a cough drop here in a second, but... Um, as far as uh, gaming goes, I haven't played anything really seriously. Um, I haven't played anything really sillily, sil- 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 mirthfully uh, there you either. Go. But um, I have been doing some more experimentation with some of the Bluetooth uh, configurations. But first of all, I did go out and I found a uh, like new used 8 bit dough controller. Uh, I had to pick it up. It is the 8 bit dough arcade stick. And it's Bluetooth, and it's... Um, oh, is that the thing that has, like, a ass-ton of buttons on it? Yeah, but if you if you were ever to look at a Super Nintendo controller, though, it's pretty much the same. It, well, actually, it's the, the that little 8-bit dough controller. It's the same exact same amount of buttons that's on that. The only thing is that uh, you got the, the directional pad on that, and then the A, B, X, Y buttons, but then there's uh, four shoulder buttons. And the four shoulder buttons on this thing are just represented on the on the controller. It's built for games like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, that sort of thing. But uh, I find it works pretty well with uh, some other games. Um, what was the one I was playing? It seems to be like only have four button or four, um, four, four leaf switches on the inside. Uh-huh. So I guess it's an eight way, but it's not like really a true eight way, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it works really good. Uh, I like it. Um, probably going to stick to my uh, 8-bit dough NES pad for console gaming but um as far as console gaming goes there's one console i have here that i've not tried with that 
Bluetooth adapter yet, and it's probably going to be a little bit before I try to get be able to try it. And that is my uh, Atari 65XE computer. Ah. Recently, uh, thanks to the recommendation of um, Benny Scott Meredith. Oh, uh, he suggested going to eight. What was it? Eight Bit Classics. Dot com. Yeah, 8bitclassics.com, and they have a um, power cord for the Atari XLXE computers. It's a USB power cord. What? It uses just a standard uh, cell phone USB charger power supply. Huh. The model of computer it is uh, determines what kind of amps you need, and fortunately I had a 1 amp, which is what the 65XE needs. I think it's a 1.5 for the 130XE, but I mean they have it listed on the the package, and uh, so I tr- I purchased one of huh. those cables, and I also purchased a, a composite out cable for it, so I could. But the TV that I got hooked up currently had does have uh, composite inputs on it, and um, it seems it seems to me that the whole problem with my 65XE was most likely the power supply. Hmm. So. Uh, I do need to do some more testing with it, put it through its paces, play for more than like 30 minutes. Um, although last time I played it, it only it was pretty much going south pretty quickly within like five, 10 minutes. So I'm thinking I've got that nipped so I can start playing with my 65XE again. And to be perfectly honest, thinking about packing, <laughs> packing my Sega Master System up and putting it away for a while and reintroducing the uh, uh, 65XE to my regular uh, rotation here. Uh, but uh, as far as the uh, Bluetooth thing, I have not been able to to do the Bluetooth adapter on the 65XE. I have a feeling it will work just like everything else I've tossed at it, with the exception of that um, At Games Legends flashback. But the only reason I am not able to do it is because I'm going to need an extension cable, just because of the way that the uh, the 9-pin joystick adapter port on the side of it is kind of recessed in. It's, it's, uh, some people complain about how it is on the... Uh, on the 7800 for certain things like uh, with the, um, oh, what is it, the the Atari Vox? On the Atari 8-bit computers... Atari Vox. Uh, but with the 8-bit computers, it's recessed in, uh, well, the XE line anyway, probably not the XL, but uh, with the XE line computers, it's recessed in really kind of weird, so I cannot even put like a small little dongle on it, whereas I could just put this... Dongle. I could theoretically, yes, could theoretically put this right in on the 7800 if I wanted to. Um, I can't, unless I only want to use one button. So that's the next thing is to get myself a, a Genesis extension cord to try this out with. But like I said, I have no no doubts that it will work. And as soon as I can get that going, I'm going to test the uh, that uh, 8-bit do or 8-bit do, whatever. Whatever. Arcade stick um, on it as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm just perplexed about something. You have a wife, three kids, a job with a long commute, and now you're doing your volunteering at Starved Rock on Saturdays, and you do this podcast. When the hell are you finding time to play video games at all? I'm married, no kids, we're between dogs now. I'm really only working at one job right now because I haven't done my second job in a long time, but I don't have time to play freaking video games. Okay, well, first of all, my kids are per- are all either in high school or out of high school or just about to get out of high school. So they're all older, so they're... And one of them's got a boyfriend she's already, always out with, so there's that. Uh, my son just got a cell phone, so he's been on that quite a bit lately. Um, so basically, everybody's occupied doing this, that, or the other. 
Oh, excuse me. Um, it's about time you burped. I'm, I'm sick of being the, the, I'm the one who has to burp all the time. Thank you. No, oh, not a problem. <sighs> where was I going with that? Um, Toledo? No, Dayton, because that's where the Flurs of Corpse return. I thought they don't go anyway, there anymore. Anyway. Oh, yeah, they don't, because that's right, because of the accommodations. Yes. But, um, I, you know, I make time, and to be quite honest, I really don't play a lot of games. I usually just end up putzing around on my phone on Facebook for way too much to actually play games. I really don't play a lot of games. Not anywhere like I should anyway, mm. but, um, well, should or want to. It, it, it depends on how I'm feeling, too. I mean, my struggles with my my brain are uh, something I've been open and honest about, and there are just times I just don't feel like doing anything except lazing around. But um, I did get a new toy today, though, and that is a weed whipper, so I've been uh, having fun with that in the yard. That's a great way to get uh, <laughs> to get your frustrations out. You know, freaking, you know, you're going to freaking, you know, oh, you're going to screw me over now, huh? Okay, well, I'm going to freaking chop your head off. Yeah, it's a good thing cord. you have uh, something to tend to like that. We got a guy yeah. who does that. Yeah, well, we have like an acre yard, and there are things I'd rather be doing than mowing that, but at least when you're out on your on the lawnmower. It's called an acre yard because when you're go- doing work in it, it causes you to ache. Or something. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's pretty much it. Hmm. I really got a huge mess in my room I got to clean up. I'd show you what it is, but then you'd be like, uh, well, you know, if I showed you what the mess in my uh, room, my gaming area was like, uh, you wouldn't feel so bad about your room. I don't know. Oh, trust Greener me, you grass. wouldn't feel so bad. Greener grass. But, so, <sighs> that's pretty much what I've been up to. I am really digging exploring uh, all the different consoles with this blue, with uh, with Bluetooth. It's really become quite uh, quite fun. Uh, the fun of discovery is. Oh, man, I gotta see if I can try it with my uh, Vectrex, because I have a Genesis adapter for hmm. Vectrex. I wonder how that would work. Very carefully. I still have hmm. to figure out a way to connect the Atari Vox because the way that the uh, the Vectrex ports are, it's just like, you you talked before about the recessed port on your XE. XE? The uh, nine pin ports on a Vectrex, they are severely recessed and they have collars around them too, mm-hmm. which makes it really hard to get the controllers in. And you have to, I think basically you have to take a Dremel and shave down the uh, the plugs on a on a non Vectrex controller to get them fit. And I keep saying I'm going to do that, but I keep getting lazy about it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm wondering how that would doing the Bluetooth thing on the Vectrex would work. First of all, have you gotten a chance to try out the uh, the Genesis controller on anything yet? Yeah, on the 7800. How does it work? Well, the same way I told you the last uh, the previous episode. Wirelessly. Worked beautifully. Oh, awesome. And it's the six button controller, right? Um I don't know. I I don't know. And um I don't know. Hmm, Let me see if I can find the controller. Let me see. Uh, here's my other microphone. Nah, I can't find it. I don't know. Yeah, I my my Midwest gaming classic stuff is still all over the place. I get home. Yours and mine both. Still haven't packed, uh, unpacked my duffel bag from the hotel. That's one reason I haven't really played, done much in terms of playing video games lately. The only exception is, uh, when was it? It was, um, it was a week ago ish. It was the Friday night before we were supposed to get all the, all that, all that mean evil snow that the weather people were warning us about. 
we were originally going to do this on Saturday, but we figured, yeah, hey, let's do it Friday because I get off work early and my wife has done like four. And so it gives us enough time to head down to the Ikea to get our stuff that we needed. Mm-hmm. And there, you know where the Ikea is. It is in Bowlingbrook. And you know what else is in Bowlingbrook? Prince Arcade. Prince Arcade. And so my wife went off to do a few more things that are non-Ikea related while I went over to Prince Arcade's for the first time. Oh. And I played some games for about an hour, hour and a half and uh, got the house high on Turbo Miz Pac-Man. Of course. Well, the thing is, it wasn't going to be so of course because it turns out their Turbo Miz is set to hard difficulty. Oh. It's not set to the factory defaults. Which means things speed up a little bit sooner. Uh, you don't get your full energizer power uh, when you're supposed to get it. Uh, the time when the monsters are no longer edible happens sooner and all that. So it's a little bit trickier. And it really threw me off at first. I was like, wait, why can I not get a perfect board on the second level? And it just didn't. I was like, oh, this must be on difficult settings. And Jeremy was like, yep. So I was like, oh, God. So it makes the victories that much sweeter. It really does, though. It does. And I played Pack and Pal, of course, and did not beat James White's House High, although I think I can with a little bit of practice. I really think I can. Played a little bit of Centipede because um, I like Centipede, and I think that one is set to a pretty difficult setting, too, because I can consistently get at least 100,000 points easily. On Centipede, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it at Prince Arcades. Might have been because I was burnt out. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to accept that. Something I got to say about Prince Arcades is uh, at least the machines that I spent any amount of time with, they were in beautiful shape. He takes good care of that stuff. Like, they're nice and sparkly and bright and everything. I think I said on a previous episode, his Tron machine is pristine. I have never seen a Tron machine, even when they were brand new, as uh, in such great shape as that one was. So he really does take great care yeah. of his stuff. Of course, he, he has an advantage over a lot of other arcades in the country. Oh? Small number of games to maintain. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Although he's got like, like what, 70, I think he said. Yeah. That, well, still, I mean, compared 70, to say 80. what Doc and his crew have, they have what, mm-hmm. seven, 716, now, of course, I think 70, now? 80, they might not all be on the floor at the same time, but still. But still, they got to be maintained. And man, I'm... I, I'm just going to say this. I feel bad for anybody who works at Galloping Ghost because these are old machines that are just ready to crap out any given time. I can imagine they're they're busy over there just repairing things because they get things back out on the floor pretty fast. You know, most of the arcades that I that I've frequented, that's that's what it's like. Like they there there's something something goes out there back out really quickly and if you have a whole bunch of games especially like say star wars i think is uh susceptible to damage tempest tends to go out a lot and man mm-hmm. you're gonna be you're gonna be busy you're gonna be busy by the way did you see you saw you you actually uh told me about this but uh, <coughs> excuse me oh okay uh, it was your time to shine but galloping ghost had uh has a really had a really big uh add to their uh to their floor this week. I knew uh, that was coming eventually. 5-6-2019 for those in the, that want to know. But uh, they received Major Havoc. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, An original Major Havoc, ca- Havoc? Havoc cabinet in uh, pretty good shape. Yeah. And I've never actually seen an arcade machine. Neither of the I. game. Neither and have I. And every time, 
it when it almost invariably whenever you're talking about arcade machines on Galloping Ghost, somebody will always bring up Major Havoc. Major Havoc yep. has got a huge cult following oh, in yeah. the arcades. Probably bigger than any other. Uh, probably has a bigger cult following than most other games that I've seen. I mean, you can't I, you can't really call Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter Two or Donkey Kong or Pac Maners having cult followings because those are like pretty They're damn not mainstream cult games. Favorites. There's favorites. There's favorites. Whereas this game, it's um, I don't know. It's uh, Spleechy. It's Spleechy. Yeah, it's just like that movie Spleechy that nobody's no. It's um. I can't think of a good of a cult film to compare it to. But anyway, it's got a huge cult following. We'll just leave it at that. And um, I want to get out there and play it because playing it in emulation, I'm just not a huge fan of the game. But I'm wondering if, to, if you were able to get into the arcade and actually play it with the uh, the sideways uh, roller bar that it has oh, instead, yeah. of, uh, instead of using a joystick controller or whatever, if the game is going to be better. So we're I'm trying to simulate it, it on, a, on a touch screen, you know? Yeah, so... I'm wanting to get up to Galloping Ghost just to uh, to check that out. And yes, uh, by the way, listeners, I did put a cough drop. Uh, I am I do have a cough drop right here, and it's um, soothing my throat. <sighs> so, I might stop at the go. I'm thinking of because uh, we're recording this right before Mother's Day. Shoot, and uh, shoot, that's this Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. And I think I know what I'll I know what I'm going to do for my mom on Mother's Day. You're going to take her to Galloping Ghost? No, I'm going to mow her lawn. Oh. I just did that this week, this weekend. So see, I do that for my parents, but they're where they live. They have people that do that, and you have people that do it. And so. I, have, I have person that well, we don't even have a lawn where I live. I'm sure you have somebody that has like an edger or something. I don't. I'm not sure we do. But what was I going? Oh yeah. So like on the way back from visiting the folks, I miss adding major havoc to the floor. Kind of might make me want to stop at the ghost on the way back home. Mm-hmm. But. Oh man, what I hate what I hate about this weekend is I'm on call starting Friday night for a week and I got to have my work computer with me at all times. So if the phone goes off, then it's like, "Ah, I got to quit playing games now." Ah. You know what that's like? Mhm. Okay, yep. good. I do know. It's been kind of de- uh, dead at work lately and uh, I talked a few people into purchasing that uh, at games Flashback Legends and I uh, uh updated the firmware and uh helped them out with uh Aww. A few games, but I made sure they owned the cabinets first, though. Before well, that's, I gave that's them, good, yes. Yeah, before I gave them some games. Yes. So um, I have they've they've something they both brought up to me, and uh, something I've noticed too is that there does seem to be a little bit of controller lag on the thing. Oh, really? Um, not a lot, but enough to where you just notice it. So I don't think it makes it unplayable, but you know it's there. So I think that's a great budget emulation machine for. For people that just want to get into it without without much hassle, it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, people give at games just in ge- like they generalize at games. Oh, it's all crap. Well, the couple of things that I've owned by at games, I actually liked. The only problem I had was the sound playing back too slow. That was it. Yeah, the sound on the uh, the Genesis. I don't know if it's an overall speed issue with the entire system or if it's just the sound because the flashback portable has it and the Genesis. Uh, Flashback has it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, well, th- this is the first flashback portable. I don't know about the current one. I don't know if that has the same issue. Yeah, but but uh, as people who uh, keep track of this sort of thing are aware, that um, uh, at games is going to is uh, is no longer doing the uh, the Genesis flashbacks. 
Sega is doing that all in-house now ah. for the next episode, for the next episode, for the next edition. So hopefully the uh, sound emulation will be better. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah. My only problem with these flashback machines is I'm surprised they've not hit the point of oversaturation yet because it seems like it's just like the same thing over and over and over. Yep. I mean, the, uh, the the Arcade Legends flashback, I think, was a good idea, and it did come with a decent selection of games. I mean, it could have had a few better, but uh, all things considered, it had a good one. It had a good selection. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've seen all the same Atari and Genesis games like released over and over and over, and... Um, I think what they should do is release a flashback, an Atari flashback. Just call it Atari flashback and have a mixture of 2600, 5200, uh, 8-bit computer, 7800, and arcade games on it. What? No Jaguar? No. What? No Lynx? <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about Lynx, but yeah. And they just market it, market it as Atari, not tell what systems anything was on until you plug it in and play it. There because you go. people know Atari, but people don't really know Jaguar or Lynx, so... You know, I would probably put Jaguar on there if you could get uh, Tempest 2000 on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'd probably not bother with the Jaguar. Oh, oh I hear you there, especially because I've never seen any Jaguar games ever, even though I listen to Shinto's podcast. Go figure. Huh. Yeah, you know what? I um, I think I've had maybe a total of five minutes of playtime with a Jaguar in my life. And now people, the controllers on that thing are one of the big uh, love-hate relationships with gamers, but I really think, that the, the, for the little bit I've used them, I really think they feel really nice. But, you know, they are big, so, you know, take with that information and do whatever you with it you want. But, um, I don't know, I kind of like the controller. But yeah, I mean, that's been my gaming life, at least for the last couple of weeks since we last recorded. Uh, the only other thing I can say that's, like, nearly related is that I've finally like really been getting into the book Cubert and We, which mm -hmm. Jeff Lee wrote recently, and uh, link in the show notes. And there is one fascinating thing that I saw. Well, there are a lot of fascinating things in there that I've seen so far, but the one that I absolutely have to mention, the arcade that I usually fall back on, like, well, it's not so much of a fallback, it's just reality. When we talk about where we originally played these certain arcade games, for at least the core classics, mine was usually the Aladdin's Castle at the Lincoln mm -hmm. Mall in Matson, Illinois. Now, something I was reading in Cubert and Wee, Sam Russo at Gottlieb, his first job, his introduction to the video game industry, computing industry, was a job at Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall. I was like, whoa, that's what I was like. I was like, whoa, <laughs> do you know what that's like? Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a fascinating read. It's a great story. Uh, God, I hate to have to call him out on this, but there's, there's like some sentence structure that needs to be fixed. But of course, I think it was mainly a first draft anyway, but uh, especially because there's an errata sheet inside, but I'm loving what I am reading so far. And in fact, something I'm going to mention right now, why do I say that? Why don't I just mention it and stay and say, well, something I'm going to say, just say it. Because you know? then it wouldn't be redundant. I know, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. My sign-off redundancy tonight is going to be a phrase taken from Cubert and We. So basically in tribute to our friend Jeffrey Lee, whom we had the pleasure of breakfasting with uh, during Midwest Gaming Classic. So, didn't say a peep about video games, I don't think. No, we didn't. We no, talked we didn't. about everything but. <laughs> yeah, which was quite refreshing, actually. He is a, he is a very interesting fellow. Heck yeah, he is. Oh my God. He's, he's 
that's all I'm going to say. I'm, yeah. I can't, cause mainly because I can't really think of much to say because my brain does not function well right now. You can't brain well. No, 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 no. So I think with that, um, do we have any addenda and errata? I don't think so. Ew. Oh, you'd be wrong there, Smithers, if you did believe that we had no addenda and errata. Smithers? Going back to what, what, the episode when we talked about, uh, oh, what the heck? Excuse me. Whoa. Oh, what the heck episode was it when... You mentioned Lost in Space, and I couldn't help you at all because I don't know Lost in Space at all, other than the fact that Bill Mewmy is one of the Barneses in Barnes and Barnes of Fishhead's fame. Uh, but that be the Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters That's right. episode? Yes, yes, yes. You were wondering about the uh, name of the robot. Well, wasn't it Robbie? I uh, got an email from Airshack, actually. Yeah. Who says, Robot in Lost in Space is named Robot. Cheers. Oh. And he sent a link to the Wikipedia article on Robot. That's the name of the character. Ro- oh, interesting. Just Robot, performed by Bob May in a prop costume built by Bob Stewart, voiced by Dick Tufeld. Tuffled, I don't know. Primarily, that is. Nigel Tufnell. No. Oh, wait. I don't think so, Tim. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, thank so, well, you, I thank thank you, you uh, Airshack. Oh, did I just Air- pull an Andy Ryerson right there? Did my, my voice crack or something? Thank you, Airshack. Hmm. But yeah, I think that's right now. That's all the addenda and errata that I was able to uh, dig up from previously. And I really don't have anything myself. Um, So I guess with all that out of the way, we should probably talk about some games here. What do you think? Yes, let's talk about some games here. Awesome. So which uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I'll, I wanna, get, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let okay, you go let ahead. Okay, let me start with uh, league bowling. Actually, league bowl. League bowl. Uh-huh. Ah, uh-huh. whatever. I can't. Uh-huh. I can't. League I can't. Bowling. I can't exclaim right now. You league bowling, uh-huh, and uh, this is going to be very sparse because honestly, I really wasn't able to find much about it. Quite frankly, I'd never heard of the game myself. Both of our games were suggested by um, Patreon sponsor uh, Richard Valdez, and I thank you for uh, suggesting yes, thank these you, games, Richard. Richard. Uh, and we have a theme that I think is uh, going to be pretty uh, interesting. Uh, or if not interesting, then maybe just, well, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know? But anyway, League Bowling was made by SNK for the Neo Geo system, of course. Yeah, the Neo Geo. And from what I can tell, it was released, uh, that is uh, League Bowling, not the Neo Geo. But this was an early title for the Neo Geo, and this was uh, released December 10th, 1990. And by the way, by the way, those are, here's proof. Those of you who think we just look at Wikipedia and that's all we do for research, let me tell you what Wikipedia says about league bowling. It says, and I quote, uh, I don't know who actually edited this, and there is no uh, footnote with it, but... <clears throat> The game was unique in that it was the first arcade to put emphasis on bowling. Jimmy G, do you believe that? Mm, it's the first arcade. It doesn't say arcade game, though. Well, lots of people referred to uh, just the actual cabinets as arcades. I mean, Scott at Underground Retrocade does that all the time. It's, ca- it's called start, these- You know what we need to do is we need mm-hmm. to get the guys at the Chicago arcades to start referring to them as ding-dongs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So our our uh, friends in Indonesia who can't see, like, understand, like, what's... 
I still think thought that was so cool of, uh, when at uh, that time I decided for some reason to Google our podcast. I came across, across that in a blog post. <laughs> that, honestly, I thought that was kind of awesome that we were getting listeners from overseas. I know. I know. That and was the, neat. And the, so. and the guy's blind, too. I know. That's, so, that's I really – there, there is a regular at Underground Retrocade who's blind. I think you were telling me about yeah, the person. I, yeah, he was in one of those – yeah, that, that one documentary that somebody shot over there that's on YouTube. He was talking mm-hmm. about how – he would play those games all the time, and even though he can't see anymore, he still loves like going there so he can hear the sounds, and and he can say, oh, I know what that is. You know, I once read an interview with, um, um, who was it? It was uh, Frank Zappa. It was Frank Zappa in a, in an, um, was it video game magazine or joystick? I can't remember, uh, from way back when, and he was talking about how he would just go into the arcade with a with like a tape recorder or something mm-hmm. and just record all the sounds going on because he just was like mesmerized by it. And that was just so that that was that's a, a very Frank that. Zappa thing to do. Oh yeah, but anyway, getting back to a uh, league but, bowling. Yeah. Getting back to our ding-dongs. Like what? Oh. I love that term. <laughs> Regarding what I just read from the person who um whoever edited that in the Wikipedia entry. I want to quote the this is from memory so it might not be exact. I want to quote Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. I want to quote his entire opening statement from the movie, My Cousin Vinny. <clears throat> Everything that guy said is bullshit. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Why? Well, for one thing, there was a bowling game in the arcades about four months ahead of league bowling put out by Strata, and it's called <gasps> Strata Bowling. Oh, and in 1989, there was championship bowling by SETA, S-E-T-A, not to be confused with SEGA. Oh, yeah, and in 1988 was Capcom Bowling. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, in 1982, uh, Greyhound Electronics, Inc. put out Super Bowl, which was a bowling game, and they put out a sequel to it in 1987 called Super Bowl 87. Also in 1982, Taito released Strike Bowling. Oh, there's more. Uh, Let's see. uh, Meadows Games, they're a very obscure company. I've heard of a couple of games they did before, but they had 3D bowling, which is a misnomer. I don't think it's 3D at all, by the way. That was 1978. Oh, as was four-player bowling alley by Midway. (laughs) Oh, and uh, Taito's top bowler. So yeah, Taito had two bowling games within a four-year period. Oh, and there was also Robot Bowl by Exidy in 1977. So I don't think that league bowling was the first arcade to put emphasis on bowling. So, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, any questions? Uh, you in the middle? Yes. If you were to divide by zero, would that rip the entire fabric of existence in two? No, because you cannot divide by zero. But thank you. That is not a question. Oh. Anyway, let's talk about the game. Sure. Why not? The game itself. I don't usually talk about intro screens, attract modes and all this, but this time I'm going to. Simply because during the intro, I think this is before you even put in your credit, there's an animation that has a red ball with sunglasses, and it looks a lot like Cool Spot, the 7-Up logo. I noticed that. I I noticed that when I was playing yeah, this. Yeah, and this predated the whole Cool Spot thing by a few years, I think. Or at least Which a cool year or two. Cool Spot is actually a very fun game on the Genesis for being a, for being a, a blatant... Uh, yeah, uh, product blink. placement. Or as the, the reviewer of the Chicago Tribune said um, about the Lego movie, yes, it's a uh, a cynical uh, a cynical feature length commercial, but it's a good cynical le- feature well, length yeah. commercial. Yeah, I, mean, I liked Cool Spot. I played it on the Amiga a lot. But anyway, uh, up to four players can play in a single cabinet. 
Oh, wait, single cabinet? Oh, ho, 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 ho. Yes, apparently you can actually network up to four cabinets together and have up to eight players. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Way. But then again, why would that sounds like a waste? Why couldn't you just network two of them and just use four players on each? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how this all works. And if you can network four, why can't you have up to 16 players? Yeah, I'm not going to worry about this right now. I'm going to worry about the game itself. Back to our game. Uh, there are three different gameplay modes. There's regulation, there's flash, and there's strike 90. And as far as I can tell, there is no difference in actual gameplay. It's just a matter of how the game is actually scored. If you go with regulation scoring, it's basically typical bowling scoring with a maximum of 300. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to explain how to score bowling because I don't understand it at all. I read so many how-to articles on it. I remember in gym class, for God's sakes, in, in grade school, they taught us to uh, keep scoring bowling. And I, I, I just don't get it. It's just way over my head. I don't think they ever had anything to do with bowling in our school. Hmm. But then again, our school had a swim team and no swim pool. Well, we didn't out. have a bowling alley. These were just like loose pins you just set up on the floor. Uh, there's also the flash variation. And uh, the reason it's called flash is because at the beginning of each frame, there's a number between 100 and 500 inclusive, and it flashes on the screen. And if you get a strike that value gets added to a bonus tally. And at the end of the game, all the points you accumulated in the bonus tally get added to your score. And then there's strike 90, so-called because if you roll a strike in a frame, then 90 points gets added to your next two rolls. If you roll a spare, then 60 points gets added to your next one roll. And this is rather creative, I think. If the ball rolls between the 7 and 10 pins, uh, I don't know if the 7 and 10 need to be the only pins on the on the floor or what, mm -hmm. but if the ball rolls between them, you get what they call a field goal, which is worth 30 points. So I thought that was interesting. Goal! So yeah, instead of trying to go for the spare and, and uh, on that 7-10 split, just go down the middle and get 30 points, which actually might, be, uh, might work out in the end. I don't know. I don't know. But... That's the first thing you see when you start the game. You have to choose, after you choose a number of players, you have to choose which scoring method, as it were, you're going to use. Then on the next screen, there's a picture of your character in the upper right. And actually, all the bowling characters in this game look the same. It's all a guy with spiky hair. The only real difference, I think, is clothing and maybe hair color. Mm -hmm. And then underneath where your bowler is in the upper right, you select whether your bowler is left-handed or right-handed. Actually, I think the bowler's in the upper left. Sorry about that. It's in the upper left or right. I don't know. I'm tired. All right? Anyway, you move the joystick left or right to select whether your bowler is left-handed or right-handed. I'm going to be honest. I've never tried the left-handed bowler. But anyway, uh, not only do you select the handedness of the bowler, but you also use the joystick, move it up and down to select the weight of the bowling ball. Minimum eight pounds, maximum 15 pounds. And each different weight has a different color. So they're basically color-coded, color-coordinated, I guess. And on the right side of the screen, assuming you are playing only one player, there is a buxom blonde in a red dress and superimposed over her are the game's instructions that are quite simple. It tells you 
left and right on the joystick to move your bowler left and right. Press button A, which is the red button on a Neo Geo cabinet. Mm-hmm. Press button A to, and I quote, set controls. And then you also press button A to set power. We'll talk about those in a sec. And uh, by the way, those uh, those two configuration screens I was talking about, the scoring technique and the bowler and bowling ball configuration, you have a total of 10 seconds to make your decisions. Uh, there's a countdown timer on the screen. Once those configurations are set, you are presented with the, well, not the entire bowling alley, but just a part of it, just your lane. And you can kind of see unfocused the lanes that are adjacent to you as well, just like one on each side. And at the beginning of the game, your bowler will turn around, look at you in the camera and say, let's bowl. Hey, let's bowl. Isn't that what the lemmings say at the beginning of the game? Oh, well. Yeah, I think so. And for each time you roll the ball, there are essentially two, I'm just going to call them phases. The first phase, I guess, I'm going to call it the aiming phase. This is when you kind of decide what your aim is going to be. You position your bowler by moving the joystick left and or right. You also get to direct how the ball is going to travel down the lane. There is a gauge that shows up next to the pin with a cursor going back and forth repeatedly on the gauge. The cursor stops either when you hit button A or you run out of time. And by the way, you do not want to let the time elapse or else the cursor is going to end up all the way on one side. So unless you want the ball to curve diagonally, don't do that. Just pick a curve, pick a path, whatever. The closer the cursor is to the center when you choose your path, the more straight the ball is going to go up the lane. And of course, the farther from the center, the more the ball is going to curve away from the center. So you hit button A, pick your aim, and then the next phase, you have to choose how much power is going into your roll. That is how hard you roll the ball, how fast is going to go down the lane. The aiming gauge is gone, but now there's a different gauge. It's kind of rainbow colored with a color cycling bowling ball going across it, kind of acting as a cursor. And again, you want to hit button A to choose how hard you roll the ball. The farther to the right the cursor is, the harder and faster the ball is going to go. And you get a grand total of 10 seconds to select your aim and your force. By the way, um, unlike with the aim cursor, the force cursor uh-huh. only goes across the gauge once. And then that's it. It doesn't keep going back and forth. So there you go. And of course, your character will roll the ball down the lane. The character is going to go bowling, as it were. And in the upper right corner of the screen, oh, I take it back. My notes say scree. So in the upper right corner of the scree, you get a front view of your... I'm, okay, I'm pretty sure this Wait, is wrong. Wait, the scree? The scree, so that's what it says So they're hiking up a mountain? Yes. Actually, it should be the upper left corner. You get a front view of your character. You're basically watching your character and his facial expressions while the bowl rolls down the lane. And in the background, you can see the audience cheering you on. And uh, that's one of the fun things about this game is watching the facial expressions because... The guy is clearly in mental pain watching his ball go down. Oh my gosh. Right up until the ball either goes into the gutter or hits a pin or hits all the pins or whatever. I love how he says, oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm actually playing the game while we talk about it. And I have played it before, but I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to play this some more because... I probably shouldn't tip my hand right now, but I really like this game a lot. <laughs> hmm. well, good, good. 
that's different from what I do sometimes and play other games that we're not even talking about while we're That's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ah. And once your ball is actually finished, it goes all the way down, gets either in the gutter or it hits the pins, whatever. Then in the upper left corner, you're going to get some kind of animation based on how your performance was. If you get a gutter ball, you're going to get a little red skull and there are different animations. It's not the same animation every time the same thing happens necessarily. There are certain animations for strikes, certain ones for spares. There is a turkey animation. Those of you who don't know what turkey is in bowling, it's when you roll three strikes in a row, which I've actually done once accidentally. I was happy with that, but I wasn't trying because I suck at bowling, but um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, what else could I say? Uh, There is an animation for if you get a perfect game, which is a 300, of course. Uh, which I did thanks to save states and MAME. Uh, yeah, I had to use MAME because my Neo Geo cabinet, uh, my dog's vet was borrowing that, so I had oh, to use okay. MAME. But I thought you didn't, never mind. Hey, just because I'm in between dogs doesn't mean that you know we don't see the vet now and then. That's true, that's true. A hell of a lot cheaper than seeing my regular doctor. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what else was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah, and uh, what I, I love the end of the game because at the end of the game, the players are paraded up and down the bowling, well, I think just one direction, really. They're paraded across the bowling alley with confetti falling down from the ceiling, and each player is on one of four platforms, and the winner is on the taller platform. What I love about League Bowling, well, a lot of things I love about the game, a lot of things I don't love about it, but one of the things I love about it is that even if you are the only player, you still get paraded up and down in celebration at the end of the game. Even if your score is a zero, you still get to celebrate on the tall platform if you're the only player. I thought that was awesome. So yeah, I got a zero, but I'm the only player, so by default, (laughs) I win. Default. You're a winner. Oh, they should have, they should give you a loving cup with three handles. Oh, oh, well. And let's see, according to my notes here in the history slash fun facts section, nothing because I couldn't find anything. Home versions, the Neo Geo home console has league bowling, as does the Neo Geo CD. And there was also a flash version of league bowling released as well. And I actually found a, uh, as long as we're talking about versions, I found a website called NeoGeoFun.com that uh, has a bunch of Neo Geo games you can play online there, and um, that's where I'm playing it right now, actually. Oh. So, uh... Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, pick up the spare gutter, of course. Oh, dude! <laughs> I got a gutter ball, and there was an animation of the guy falling off a building. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome! Okay, I'm done. Yeah, those animations are quite entertaining, um... I found really that the easiest thing to do is just do everything center and full power, you know? Yeah, pretty much. It's basically just your reflexes, how fast you can hit button A. Like, don't move your player at all to the left or the right. Just keep them center and hit button A right down the middle, and usually that works. Usually it works. You know, Uh, I have to say, when it comes to video game versions of a sport, there are some, first of all, I'm not necessarily a fan of football or whatever, or some sports, but uh, every now and then I'll find a game that I'll, you know, of that particular sport that I like. How about crew? But, uh, let me get back to you on that one. But, um, you know, I'll play like maybe, oh, this is a good baseball game. That's a bad baseball game, or that's a good football, whatever, golf, whatever. I don't think I have played a bad home version of bowling. 
A bad hmm. arcade version, a bad home version. I think bowling, every bowling game I've ever played, I've really enjoyed, especially the Wii Sports Bowling, um, especially because they got, I think I've mentioned this before, there's one variation where uh, after the first frame, you got the standard 10 pins, then it ends, adds another row of pins behind that, with then uh, it's keeping the triangle going, to at one point you have over 200 pins you got to knock down in the bowling alley, and that is fun as hell. Huh. But uh, bowling on the 2600, I love. I love Wii Bowling. I, I'm really a fan of this game. And I haven't played, like, Simpsons Bowling or a couple of the other ones in the arcade. But um, of all the, the ga- bowling games I've played, I've loved all of them so far. I'll tell you what, I, like, I only like Simpsons Bowling if Homer's playing it. I tried the other characters, and it's just uh-huh. not as much fun. Well, I mean, come on. Bowling is Homer's thing, so. And especially Groundskeeper Willie. It's, that was a boring run right there. I don't think I've ever played a bad bowling game either. Even the Atari 2600 bowling game. Why is that game so awesome? It's so blocky and blippy, but why is it so awesome? Why does everybody love it? I think it has it? a lot to do with the uh, the steerable ball option. <laughs> My favorite variation, but I love all the variations on that one. Yeah, I've never played a bad video version of bowling. I can't think of a bad one. Oh, I'm sure we'll hear from someone who says, oh, yeah, well, here's one. In fact, tell yeah. us. Please. You know what? Tell I, us, yeah. Oh, you know what I want? I'm going to be the stereotyper here. That guy. I want Soul Blazer to tell us if there's any, like, compu- I don't think there's an arcade version, but if there's any, like, home video game or computer version of Candlepin Bowling. Of who? Candlepin Bowling. Candlepin Bowling. What's that? Oh, Soul Blazer will know. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a New England thing. Oh, so in other words, not important. Whoa, ho, ho, zing! Oh, don't hide, hide. Can cut that out. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah, cut that out, hide. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, Jimmy G, where did you first see slash play uh, league bowling? Uh, the other day on my computer because I do own the cabinet, but I'd rather play it in emulation because of the yeah. Controller. And I already told you about my play. How the vet has our. She had to take our neo geo cabinet as collateral so i had to play it in emulation so yeah um sadly i can only play it in emulation uh interestingly i was looking up arc arcade and i know you did had to do this but uh <laughs> nobody has this game yeah i know at least nobody registered with arcade has it or nobody spotted it and reported it i wonder if uh i wonder if eBay this ever even existed this might have been a setup by richard valdez to see if we'd fall for it well, the uh, League Bowling uh, uh, MVS uh, arcade cartridges on uh, eBay right now for ninety two twenty three, and here's one for seventy four ninety nine. I was gonna say, uh, ooh, let's buy one for like Pixel Blast or Underground Retrocade or something. But if it's gonna be more than twenty bucks, don't then no. Uh, I'm not seeing a complete kit, just the cartridge. I'm not saying those are outrageous prices. I'm just not. I'm just cheap. Well, what's this one I just saw for 50 bucks? Oh, that's for the Neo Geo CD. Uh, but, um... Well, yeah, you said it's not... You didn't see it listed on Orcade, and yeah, that means that we don't have any high scores from Orcade. And you know what? It's not even listed on the arcade track at Twin Galaxies either. Yeah, this, uh, this actually, this MVS uh, cartridge does work. It's uh, previously Ooh. owned, but uh, there's no... Uh, oh, really? No uh, marquee for it. But Screw it was just that. like a, I want mine brand new. Well, yeah, of course. But uh, that's the $92 one. Um, was $129. 92 23 plus $850 shipping. Hmm. So it's still... So that's not too bad. 
So it still brings you over that $100 mark. Oh, but, but wait a minute here. Oh, Here's uh, one for $74.99. Buy it now with $17.30 shipping from Japan. It's not uh, bad, I guess. Oh, and it's got the, the marquee, but it's in Japanese. I wonder if this would work on the American Neo Geo. That's another thing. I was looking for the manual. And the manual that the only manual I could find was entirely Japanese, and I didn't feel like having it like, like taking a picture of the screen and then running it through Google Translate and all that. It's just, it was just one of those times I wish I knew how to read kanji, but I can't. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like so, I was uh, saying, hey, uh, even Twin had... Galaxies doesn't track. It doesn't have a track for this game, at least not yet. You have to go through their Mame track, and uh, in case anybody's curious, the Mame. Uh, record through Wolf Meme, of course, is two ninety nine. I'm assuming that's regulation scoring, and that's by Timothy Estrick, verified on September fourth, two thousand ten. There you go. Yes, and I'm crunching on ice. Damn it! Hey, if you get to have cough drops, I get to have my beloved blackberry ginger ale. I need a drink. Thinking of which, we've got uh, carbonated water with just a hint. Of cranberry flavoring. It's, that stuff isn't actually too bad on uh, with ice. But. So I guess that's uh, that's league bowling. It what do you is. Say? So, Sean, what do yeah. you rate league bowling? League bowling? Mm-hmm. If oh, I can oh you want me to uh, like rate it on a scale of one to five continues? Well, that would be nice, of course. You know, I was actually thinking three, but I think three is too harsh because this is a fun game. It is. It's really fun. It's a fun fun. game, and the graphics are great. They're very... They're in line for the time, maybe a little bit better than the time. Yeah, the the sound is perfect. I do have to say, one thing I love about the Neo Geo arcade cabinets is that little musical ditty it plays when you power it up. I love (laughs) that thing. That is awesome. Well, hey, that just uh, follows along with their tradition of good music, i.e. Uh, uh, Hyde, could we bring in the music from um, Puzzle Bobble slash Bust a Move, please? Yes, there it is. Thank you. And yeah, I, it's stereo sound, I believe, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so um, I'm, you know what? Let me bump up my rating to a four continues out of five. And normally with my limited time playing the game, I would try just do the median uh, three, you know, just give it a little more time. But, um, and of course I was playing it during the, uh, the episode here, but, um, I have to give this a four. This is really fun. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, spectacular over the wall, you know, five continue quality, but it's pretty damn good. So, um, yeah, this is definitely a four. This is a game I will come back to. Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, thank you, um, Damn it, I wanted to thank Richard Valdez, but I guess you can. And thank you, Richard Valdez, for suggesting this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, this I really is an enjoyed one. playing it. I honestly did. Yeah, uh, this is a, this is an unknown one I'd never heard of before, but I really, really enjoy this one. Yeah. So uh, thank you for suggesting this one. Now, no thanks for suggesting the next one. No, I kid. Thanks for suggesting this one, too. I guess we're going to move on to the next game then, huh? Um, I suppose that, that, that would be not terrible. Okay. So let's talk about... Unless it's terrible. Oh, damn it. Let's talk about Punch-Out. Aha! Aha, Punch-Out. Boof, 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 boof. So, yes, Punch-Out is a arcade game from Nintendo circa 1984. We've already talked a little tiny bit about it in the arm wrestling episode, but um, for those who who are interested, 
uh, the main reason this game was created is because Nintendo, seeing how well their Donkey Kong machines were selling, bought a whole bunch of monitors because they were able to get them cheaper in a huge quantity. But then Donkey Kong's popularity tended to wane a little bit, and uh, they were stuck with all of these monitors, and they wanted to get rid of them fast. So how do you do that? Make a game that has two monitors. So the programmers at Nintendo were tasked with the task so to speak, of creating a du dual monitor game. And behold, they came up with a boxing game, Punch-Out! This is a raster game. It was released in February of 1984. It has one four-way joystick, two standard buttons, and a plunger button. Uh, there is no start button. You've, I believe it's the left, uh, the left punch button. Maybe it's the right one. I don't remember that you used to start the game. It tells you on the monitor. It doesn't tell. Actually, does not tell you on the uh, on the console. But hit one of them. One of them will work. Yeah. So how, what do the controllers do? Well, the joystick. If you push left on it, you'll dodge to the left. If you push right, you'll dodge to the right. Duh. Uh, if you push up, your your gloves will move up. Push them down, they will move down. The left button will give you a left punch. The right button will give you a right punch. If you're pushing up on the joystick with your guard up, it'll punch to the head. If your guard is down, it'll punch to the body. There's also this plunger type button I was telling you about. It looks kind of like a, it's a blue kind of like emergency stop sort of button that you would see like on some piece of heavy machinery. And what it does, it'll punch a hook, an uppercut, or a knockout blow. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about the knockout blow in a moment here. Huh. But the object of the game is that you are a wireframe boxer known as Little Joe. And you're going through the World Video Boxing Association circuit to become the champ. Now, the top monitor will display the score, uh, the opponent's information, like who you're fighting. Uh, you're, uh, I have score on here twice. So, well, it will display your score and the high score. So... Maybe that's why I haven't mentioned twice. Um, what fight number you're on, how much time you have left in the round, and the bottom monitor is your player action. It has your player's st the the not your player, the player's stamina bar, one for you, one for your opponent. Oh, by the way, this is only a one-player game. It'll also have your power meter and your KO indicator. The more you punch, the more stars that light up in the power meter, and once it hits OK, then you can hit that plunger button to deliver a knockout blow. A player will get knocked down when, your when that player's respective stamina bar is empty. And the game will end when you're knocked out for a 10 count, time runs out, or you get knocked down three times. That is a uh, technical knockout. Okay, I did not know that. Yes. What I never knew exactly what a technical knockout is, but then again, I don't watch boxing. I don't participate. I only know that either. from playing uh, Punch Out on the NES, which was hugely popular. But of course, the enemies in the game are Glass Joe, Piston Hurricane, Bald Bull, who we met before in arm wrestling. Yes. Uh, spoiler. Uh, Kid Quick, Pizza Pasta, Mister and Mister Sandman. And of course, in these games, these are all pretty much <laughs> racially and ethnically insensitive stereotypes. But uh, you know, hey. Yeah, what you going to do? Some of the sequels are Super Punch-Out and Arm Wrestling, though it was kind of a sequel, I guess, a pseudo-sequel. And those are both in the arcade. Well, okay, um, I'd say um, Arm Wrestling is to Punch-Out what Timber is to Tapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's probably a good way. They're related without necessarily being a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a few home ports. It was the Mike Tyson's Punch-Out or just Slash Punch-Out, uh, Super Punch-Out on the SNES, and punch out on the Wii. Now, 
there's a bit of a story about the punch uh, Mike Tyson's punch out uh, slash punch out debacle on the NES. Some people were saying that um, the reason why Mike Tyson was removed from the box uh, was removed from the actually removed from the game entirely was because of how he was uh, beating up Robin Givens and all that whole controversy. But it's actually a licensing issue because he was pulled from the game two years before any of that ever happened. And just uh-huh. recently, uh, Nintendo announced that Punch-Out! was the uh, just the regular Punch-Out! on the NES, not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, is actually going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch pretty soon here. And just recently, Mike Tyson uh, sent out a tweet wondering why Nintendo was... Uh, was uh, coming out with Punch-Out on the Switch without him in the game because he was like, I'm pretty much the whole game. I'm the reason why, you know... You know what? Hold on. Let me pull up those tweets real quick. I want to get you the real story here. Oh. Okay, here we are. Uh, Come on, load, load, load. Heard Nintendo was doing the new Punch-Out without even contacting me. It won't be the same. My knockouts made the game. That's whack. And, Do you uh, think see. it is whack, Jim? I think it's whack. Uh, maybe not. And some of the responses, Dude, be in our movie and we can do a scene with it. Mike, you should do it for real. RGT85, I will go to church for five Sundays in a row if this happens. <laughs> you really had to stunt on us, huh? That is dope. When did you get that? Uh, oh, that's something else. Uh, tell these N-words, Mike. My knockouts made that game. That's thwack. Oh, my knockouts made that game. That's thwack. Uh, I want to see Tyson TKO Mr. Dream in round one. Would be the ultimate pain back. Talk to Doc Lewis about it. He can help you get in contact with the Nintendo Fun Club. Um, have they contacted Little Mac? Some of these are really good. Some of these are, some of these are just memes that you got to watch. Let's see if I can find one more good one here. Um, okay, yeah, I can't find any other good ones here. They're they're pretty much all all memes. But uh, so yeah, yeah I, I do like that. <laughs> I did like that one. About- Some time ago on the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon played Mike Tyson's Punch Out with Mike Tyson oh, no. as Mike Tyson, and Jimmy won. <laughs> he said, "I want to see how he, how good you are at Mike Tyson's Punch Out," and he wasn't very good. It's like um, that one time there was that story when uh, Paul McCartney was playing uh, Guitar Hero with his oh, uh, yes. grandkids. His rock band, I believe. With, with, yeah, with rock band. And he was really doing bad at it. And his grandkids were like, I don't remember what the deal was. I think they yeah. were like razzing him. He's like, look, I, at least I wrote the songs. He's like, hey, I so, played the real thing. <laughs> yes. So um, that's awesome. But uh, so. It makes me wonder, why can't they make a similar game, but you actually use like if not a real instrument, then something that at least plays like the real instrument, like with the f- the fretting and fingerboarding. Well, there was a game. There was a uh, a, a game on uh, Xbox, PlayStation. I don't think it was with the Switch called Rocksmith, where oh, you hooked yes, up yes. real guitar, a real guitar into it, and uh, used a real guitar to play the game. So if you had a real electric guitar in your house, you could play the game with that guitar. And I thought, wow, that's freaking awesome! I can't play a thing. So even if they were to put just a cheap fake one on there, you know, at least if it, it could, it could mimic the real thing, you know, still true, but Hey, what do I know? I'm, I'm just a podcaster. There you go. And, um, a little bit more here, uh, just a little bit. Uh, of course, if you go back to our Paperboy episode, yes. <laughs> which was episode, was episode four it. or something, wasn't it? Or uh, 10 or 60, one of those. 
We've talked about a lot of games. Man. Um, wow, I thought I could just find it by scrolling here. We're going to run out of games eventually. I thought it was uh, last year, but apparently not. It's been further back. Ah, there it is. Episode 58. 58, where when the two people are, the two guys in the street are brawling, and if you hit one of them with the newspaper, the paper boy will say, uppercut, uppercut, body blow, body blow, which is uh, a reference to this game, which I yeah. thought was hilarious they put that in there. So uh, that was kind of neat, I thought. But uh, also, this is, uh, this is very interesting here. The, uh, the title music, that's the, the song is the Gillette Look Sharp March. And that hmm. jingle was originally heard in Gillette radio and television commercials and was later used as a theme to the Gillette Cavalcade of Sports, which aired boxing matches. In fact, huh. I'm curious, is there a sample of this on YouTube? The Gillette Cavalcade of Sports is on the air. Yep, that's the same song. Okay, yeah, that's the same damn song. <laughs> that's awesome. Another little, little bit of trivia. If you look in the background, Mario, Luigi, Donkey Kong, and Donkey Kong Jr. are all in the crowd at some points huh. during the game. Speaking of the crowd, there was um, a uh, Easter egg that was found uh, within the last couple of years for the NES version that, oh, nobody, really? uh, that nobody noticed before. And if it's... Uh, oh, God, what character was it? If you're fighting Piston Honda... And it's the second round. There is a guy in the crowd that ducks his head a little bit. And if you're in the second round with Piston Honda, when that guy ducks his head, punch Piston Honda and you'll knock him out. Got to watch for him to duck his head. It, he, it happens only on Piston Honda and one other character. And it was just recently discovered. It stayed hidden for over 20 some years. Nobody knew about this one. Huh. And apparently there are other Easter eggs in the game that nobody has ever found yet. And nobody's tried to disassemble it to figure out where they are. Well, apparently huh. not. And uh, another uh, thing, uh, there was apparently in, what was the game? It was on the GameCube, um, Animal Crossing. Uh, one of the things in that game, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, like a kiddie version of The Sims, I guess. And um, you can earn uh, little NESs that play certain games in, in the game. You can earn like Donkey Kong and uh, Baseball and, uh, oh, what was the one we loved? Um, Wario's Woods. But hidden in the code of the game... There were two games that were never, ever found a way to unlock them. One of them was The Legend of Zelda, and the other was Punch-Out. So they're in the game Animal Crossing, but there's no way to unlock them. And nobody's ever figured a way. Um, they don't know if they were taken out of the game, or, well, the activating code was taken out of the game, or if they was just there for filler, or what the deal was. But uh, So yeah, some interesting stuff, not necessarily about the arcade game. There you go. And um, that is all I have to say about Punch-Out. There are some standard strategies that you can use with the game, which I'm not going to go into those here, but uh, you can just do some searching on Google and find those out because I don't want to give the game away. But, you know, even if I did give the game away, there's no way I'd win because I don't have the fast yeah. reflexes this game requires. Yeah, and I was going to say, there's got to be some kind of pattern to it. There's got to be. These are more pattern games than they are actual sports games. Every now and then you'll notice that uh, the character's eyes will uh, blink yellow. And when they do that, that's a good time to put an attack in on the character to, uh, you know, to cause them some major damage. But uh, yeah, there's, there's different, definitely patterns you can use for these games. And um, once you know them, you just have to keep your reflexes in check. And uh, this is a very beatable game, just not by me. But then again, no yeah. game is really beatable by me. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much all you got to say about uh, Punch-Out. Yeah. Uh, really? uh, what do you have to say about Punch-Out? 
Um, I guess just about as much as I have of any other game. Well, not really, because I have different things to say about different games. This Punch-Out, I don't really have much to say about it, but I do remember when it was first out, because when I was playing other games at the Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall, I could hear the voice coming mm-hmm. from Punch-Out. You didn't have to tell me it was 1984 when that game came out, because <laughs> I remember, I absolutely remember, body blow, body blow. It, uppercut, uppercut. And I was, quite frankly, it annoyed me. <laughs> Just hearing that annoyed me. I, I had no desire to seek that game out, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know until a couple of years ago that it was actually Punch-Out, because I never followed the sound. I never played Punch-Out before. The first time I played Punch-Out, actually... First time I heard it was at the Lincoln Mall. First time I played it was eh, a couple of weeks ago at Prince Arcades. Really? Yeah. You'd never played time. it before. That was the first time I played it. And I had a little bit of fun with it. It, it was. It's a good change of pace from the typical Nintendo games mm-hmm. that were around at the time. Like, like cause let's face it, the Donkey Kong games and Popeye and Mario Brothers, they had kind of a similar vibe going across them. So it was a good change yeah. of pace game. Yeah. And they could have really used the uh, the ROM hacks for the Donkey Kong and stuff like we have now to make the game harder and more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it's still a Donkey Kong game, though. But Punch-Out is a, is a nice diversion from that vibe. And, man, the first time I played, I played two games of it. The first time... I was pretty stupid. I didn't realize that I was the character that was completely outlined in green polygons. <laughs> so here I am thinking, oh, I'm beating the crap out of this. I'm, this is an easy win. Oh, wait a minute. I lost. Oh, You're I'm the, the green guy. guy. Yeah. So I played again and I believe I beat the first two opponents. Mm-hmm. That's about what I can do. And I got to tell you this, and this is a problem I had with arm wrestling too, but I don't think I mentioned it when we talked about arm wrestling. Fatigue sets in really quickly in this game, unless maybe I'm just overdoing it because, man, I was constantly punching and ducking and blocking and everything. I mean, I was was physically tired playing the game, so I don't know. And especially given some of the scores that I saw on on, uh, Punch-Out, man, how do people do it? How? They just got to have really good reflexes. I remember from... Back when I was uh, first saw Punch Out in the arcade at the Lads Castle Louis Joliet Mall, there was always a crowd around the machine. And and really, when the game, it had pretty much all of the uh, the qualities of making a really popular machine. First of all, the cabinet was uh, it was a third taller than the normal arcade machine because of the second monitor. So yeah. you saw it. There's no way you could not see this game anywhere in the arcade. Secondly, it was uh, the sound and the visuals were really gr- this, this this game has some real I really like the visuals in this game. The hardware I don't think is that terribly much different than uh, some other typical Nintendo games at the time, but uh, they really did a good job with this one and uh, I love the wireframe effect. That you would think that would have to take off a lot of processing power, but uh, they they really uh, knocked that out of the park. I found it interesting that of all of the home versions of uh, of Punch-Out the, I believe the Wii and the SNES had the wireframe, but in uh, on the NES version of Punch-Out, the NES couldn't do the wireframe thing, so instead of huh. having wire th- wireframe uh, guy to see through, they had a little tiny boxer at the front called Little Joe, and to punch, you would hit the button, he would jump up and punch the guy, and he would jump up and punch the guy, and um, so that was a kind of weird uh, workaround, but it, uh, it worked without affecting the gameplay. 
And um, yeah, this um, this is this isn't really a game that you could really easily get into, uh, but not really get very far in it at the same time. Yeah, um, it's a game that I like. I just still play it from time to time. One thing I do notice, at least these days, is um, this game and arm wrestling that um, you got to really watch because so many people put so much um, Jardinera? pressure, uh, so so much pressure, so much stress on the controls that this is oh, one yeah. game that the joystick does kind of uh, easily get need uh, constant repair on the joysticks. Sure. It's not like uh, we're a Pac-Man or a Dig Dug or whatever. You just push the joystick in the direction. This game is intense. And uh, when you're in the heat of the heat of action, I mean, you're putting, you know, you're like throwing the joystick, uh, you know, in different directions. And um, lots of button th- mashing too. Lots of button mashing too. So, so you got to watch out. I mean, most arcades watch do out generally. for what snakes. Watch out for snakes. No, watch out for bald balls. Um, but oh. uh, yeah, the arcades generally take pretty good care of their machines. But you still got to be careful that uh, that uh, you got one with a working joystick and that. But uh, kind of wandering there with that, but. Uh, Overall, I think that I, I really, really like this game, but I don't play it as often because I just really suck at this game. I probably should learn some patterns or whatever, but it's mostly with me. It's my timing. I've never been the king of timing. T- timing! But um, I think really Nintendo really, this is, I think out of all the games Nintendo did, this one, more so than all the others, in my opinion, is their crowning achievement in the arcade. <laughs> And I was just thinking that my favorite Nintendo arcade game that I've ever played was SF High Splitter. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious, too. And that, that's a Space Invaders ripoff. Yeah. But it's a good Space Invaders ripoff. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going back to that. But I think Nintendo really had all the, uh, the pieces in place for this one. Visually, uh, audib- audibly. I mean, it was, it was a striking game. So, um, literally and figuratively. So was the first one we talked about that's, today. Uh, true. Ooh, two striking games. Ooh, but that's not the theme. What? But Oh. Uh, you made the theme up for this one because I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Although I might have to add some. I'll just tweak your, your theme oh, idea. Oh, you're going to tweak my geniosity, huh? But, uh, no, I'm just going to go ahead and rate this game right now. Um, I'm going to give this, I'm giving Punch-Out a four. Um, it's a fun game. Like I said, they just, Nintendo just hit all the right notes on this one, I thought. And this is, like I said... They're crowning achievement. They did everything right on this one. And um, <laughs> this is a great job for something, for a game that whose sole purpose was to get rid of monitors. Yeah. It's, it, hey, it was a creative way to do it, and it worked. And I do actually have in a link to uh, an interview where they're uh, with the creators of, of Punch-Out, where they were actually talking about about the monitor situation, so... Uh, link in the show notes! Link in the show notes. Uh, that's in my. Uh, that's actually in my notes. You should have it in your email. So... Oh. There we are. Okay. So I'm rating it a four. What are you rating I'm rating it? it a three out of uh, five continues, because it's it's not bad. It's a good game, but, man, it couldn't hold my attention. Yeah. Played a couple of games, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm done with this game. See ya. Or, no, I won't see it, because I don't plan to play it again, but, yeah. It's not bad. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, so so there we are. I'm still wondering though how people like Mark Longridge got the scores that they got. Like you know, you know, Mark's score according to Orcade.com, a u r c a d e, four million six hundred fifty six thousand three hundred and ten. Damn, which he performed during Fun Spot One on May 29th, nineteen ninety nine. I got like I think sixty thousand maybe. 
And then you got people like Sean Sandez, S-A-N-D-N-E-S. I don't know how it's pronounced, Exit but hey. Exit He has the Twin oh, Galaxies you didn't, you didn't say record at 18 million. 999,970. Just how? 30 points shy of 19 million. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Now, obviously, the game has to uh, has to go when you get to the le- defeat the last guy, go back to the first guy. Yeah. But, um, but man, yeah, this dude sent video footage of his game on DVD, which was verified July 13th, 2010. Of course, this is one of the games where the uh, scoring system is like beyond me, so didn't even bother to uh, yeah, even right. figure it out. So, oh, there you go. And going is half, wait a minute, no, that's not right. So, yeah, there you have it. There's another episode of Pie Factory Podcast. Indeed. Indeed. I was going to say in the something, but I couldn't think of something to say. So, and, uh, oh, and everything resolved itself faster than normal. So, uh, do we have anybody we should probably thank? No. No, we don't? Well, except for the following people, of course. Uh, We thank the following. I think I lost my notes. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah, I grouped them, actually. I grouped them. uh, Grouped them. First, it's going to go with things that aren't actually their names. Like, they're not actual people, like, given names. And then after that, there are, like, people with regular names. So, we thank the following. Underground Retrocade, Franco Dragon, Atari Bytes, New England... No, we'll get to New England in a second. New Balance Stores, Phoenix... And we also thank Michael D'Angelo, Steve Steiner, Richard Valdez, D. Alex, Kyle Etter, PJ Steele, Art Guglielmo, Nate Lockhart. All right, all right. Now I, I need to know, Greg. Greg, have I have have I been mispronouncing your name for like four years now? Because I always said Greg Paulander, but I heard somebody else on a podcast. I don't remember which podcast it was. It might have been Memory Machine. I don't remember, but I heard the name pronounced Paulander. So oh. I, I don't know. I don't know. Soul Blazer, thank you. Okay. There. Uh, Jonas Rulo, thank you too. Rory Charles Coleman, thank you. And Tim Foley and Keith Sheehan and Richard Grounds, thank you all. Why am I thanking them? Well, because they went to patreon.com and decided to support Pie Factory Podcast monetarily. With Patreon, Yay. you can donate a dollar a month or more if you so desire and have the ability. And that helps uh, keep this podcast rolling. Um, although we're still. Still in the hole from a Midwest Gaming Classic from two years ago. So, uh, yeah, we're still trying to make that up. But still, we do appreciate everybody chipping in and helping us out. And we do try to do uh, special things for our Patreon sponsors uh, periodically. We we try. And uh, I hope we succeed when we do. But, uh, yeah, so uh, thank you all. And you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast if you at least would like to see what the deal is. Uh, and if you don't support us, Fine, we'll keep going on anyway. There we go. Until we don't. Until we don't. So I think we should probably uh, let people know at this point about our next couple of episodes. A little disclosure, we're not sure what order order. this is going to happen. But uh, we're going to do an episode uh, talking about our favorite uh, gaming hardware. Mostly what we game with currently and talking about our controllers and our our, uh, computer setups. Maybe we'll go into consoles a little bit too, although we've pretty much covered most consoles in depth. Maybe touch on maybe some of the, I don't know, more obscure, like the Saturn or the Sega Master System, which I don't think you've ever owned either. Nope. But uh, there you go. But uh, but we're also going to do an episode uh, with the two games of Super Breakout and Star Castle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got an interesting story about where I first saw Star Castle. <laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, uh, well, maybe it's not interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it might be. It might not be. You never know. So I think with that, um, wow, this was a fast episode. Um, yeah, that's what she we're said. Concise. Yep. That's what we're she concise. said. <laughs> Wait, huh? What? Oh, but anyway, so there you go. And yep. uh, once again, you know me, Jimmy G. You know me, I'm Jimmy G. And you, I don't know if you know me. Some of you, I met some of you at Midwest Gaming Classic. And, uh, oh, by the way, those of you who, who, who uh, talked to us at Midwest Gaming Classic, thank you. It was wonderful to meet all of you. And uh, we're seriously humbled by the kind things people oh, definitely. Said, said in front of us. Uh, what we you said behind me- our backs, I don't know. but We would mention you all by name, but quite frankly, um, I don't have much of a memory. <laughs> yeah. And um, before we go, we should reveal the theme of this episode. Oh, yeah. So we how's about, yet, uh, oh, let, let me do the revelation do thing. That? All right, the theme for episode 95, League Bowling and Punch-Out, remember, the rule was, the deal was that Richard Valdez gave us these two games to talk about, but we had to come up with a theme ourselves. So here's the theme, which apparently Jimmy G is going to modify a little bit, but the theme is arcade games with audiences in which the audience has cameos from characters outside the games. For example, League Bowling has an audience cameo from not, I, I, I might be mispronouncing this, but I don't know because I don't partake in this kind of stuff, but the cameo is Nadia from the anime Nadia, the secret of the blue water. She's actually one of the people in the background cheering you on. And of course you heard Jimmy G talk about uh, punch out with Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. Who else was in there? Uh, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Mario, and... Uh... God, I can't remember who else. Was it Luigi? I only I remember seeing Donkey Kong personally, but oh, I was like, oh, well, there's Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong. Obvious. Donkey Kong yeah. is obvious. <laughs> so yeah, basically Donkey. those cameos. Now, what was your um, addendum to that theme? Just one word to your, what, to your, to your, uh, to your theme? To your, to your, Sports to your, to your. games. Ah, uh, that's up for debate. Is boxing a sport? Boxing isn't a sport. Boxing is two guys beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. George Carlin, no, which I just my, listened to that bit the other day. My favorite is his uh, logic as to why gymnastics isn't a sport. Oh? Because Romanians are good at it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Took me a long time to think of that one. <laughs> now, darts could be a sport because you might poke someone's eye out, but darts will never <laughs> be a sport because the object is get to zero, which goes against all sports logic. <laughs> I miss George Carlin. Yeah, me too. All right. Anyway, so there you go, everybody. And again, you know me. My name is Jimmy G. My name is Sean. And we will talk to you all in a few weeks. Three-pronged trident. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Phrase? Mm-hmm. I know a word he always uses. I don't know a phrase he always uses. What word? Familiar. Oh, God, I hate familiar. But that's not it, he, because... I think in Minnesota's F-A-M-I-L-I-A-R is familiar. Kind of yeah, like hey. how in Chicago's J-E-W-E-L is pronounced Jules. Chicagonese. Yeah. Hey, let's go over there to the Jules that's on Balbo. Is there a Jewel on Balbo? I don't think I there don't is. Know, but there I don't think there be is. One if you're going to go to the Jules on Balbo.
There's one in Roosevelt, which is just a few blocks away from Balbo. Balbo was a great street name, <laughs> I have oh, yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, Balbo and Cermak are both great Chicago accent street names. And then you got Pulaski. Pulaski, yep, yep. Ogden, not so much. Eh, yeah. I guess you could do Ogden, Avery. Ogden, sure. Cicero. Eh, that doesn't work so much. Hey, then we go down to Waker Drive. Lower Waker Drive. Waker. That should be a podcast, How to Speak Chicagoese. Ooh, maybe I can make that a segment in... Uh... Stuck. Yeah, the only thing is I don't want it to be too Chicago. I, you know, because I don't want it... That, I want to have listeners from everywhere. What's an Indianapolis accent sound like? I don't know, and I hope to not find out. Isn't your daughter going to school in Indianapolis, like, maybe. for college? Maybe. She checked out a college down there, which... It's a nice college. She's IUPUI. Indiana University something, something, something. I don't know what it stands for. Well, tell her to pay attention if she does go there and, like, report back on the accent. 